0: Let me start by just commending these guys, Helen. This morning I arrived and nothing was really working. They'd got up early, they got here early, just wasn't working and they were so happy about that. They were so cheery with it, so full of grace. I was really blessed by that, that in the midst of staying up for a meeting, things are going great, they're like, but that doesn't matter, we're here to worship Jesus, so that's great anyway. So let me commend them to you. They've done a great job. Mike, thanks for leaving us this morning. That was excellent. And Jewel Tass Johnny stewed in the meeting from the Cajon. <laughs> this guy's eyes everywhere, <laughs> making sure everything's good. Um, as Tom's already given us a heads up, we're in Mark 11 this morning. We've recently been looking at the Songs of Ascent as a church together. Um, Walking with God is kind of what we called it. The songs of ascent were the songs that the people of God would sing as they approached Jerusalem for key times, key celebrations, key festivals that they would come to Jerusalem to celebrate. And they'd come together, they'd walk together, they'd celebrate together, and they'd sing these songs of ascent as they went up to Jerusalem. Jesus has been approaching Jerusalem in the Mark story. He's been coming up to Jerusalem. He's coming up for the Passover, one of those festivals. He has been singing some of those songs. It's such a sweet link, isn't it? Dan's done the planning for this. I'm so impressed. Check this out as well. Guess where we get to at Easter. Yeah, you're there already. It's working so well, this series. So we come out of the Song of Ascents. Jesus has been, singing those, has been singing those songs. We're coming up to Jerusalem. and Today we're going to look at the Triumphant Entry. As it's entitled, in many NIV Bibles. Um, it's, a, it's a point of transition. Um, it's a point of transition for us. We're going from Psalms to Mark. It's a point of transition from Jesus. has been on the road, been healing and teaching his disciples about what's going to come, and then now he's coming up to Jerusalem. He's about to move from being in the road to being in, on the road to being in Jerusalem. But the, the biggest change, though, the biggest transition, is that. As the Messiah, as Jesus, as the Christ, he's moving from keeping that a secret to making it totally open. That's the biggest transition. That's the biggest change. So previously, in Mark 1, he heals the man with the shriveled hand and he says, don't go and tell the priest. That's what you meant to do, but don't tell anyone else. In Mark 3, we hear the evil spirits cry out, you're the son of David, we know who you are. And Jesus says, be quiet, don't tell anyone. It's called the messianic secret. He wants to keep it quiet. His time has not yet come. Not everyone needs to know. It doesn't need to be shouted about yet. It was a secret. But now, what was secret? Jesus is saying it's time to make it public. That's the big transition. That's the big change at this point in time. And it's a helpful background as we read the passage to realize that is the case. Now, reading the passage is easy to do. But what's more fun? Reading a passage or having some people act out a passage? Act out a passage, yay. So, Rachel, do you think you could come up then? (laughs) You are quite, yeah, you are quite. I need, you don't have to be, you could be a donkey. Yeah, yeah, I need a Jesus, I need a donkey, I need two disciples and I need a crowd. You don't have to say anything, you just have to do what the text says. Rachel can't be all those. uh, If you're going to be the donkey, you need to find a Jesus who can go on your back. Okay. Very confident. Well, we've got, um, we've got, we've got, we've got a donkey. We've got, You're going Jesus. Oh, no, 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 this is Jesus. This is Jesus. You're a disciple. I need another disciple. I'm a disciple down. I wouldn't start just yet. Yeah, don't worry. Pippa, apparently you want to be a disciple. Pippa, yeah, brilliant. And I, I just need a crowd, like a rent-a-crowd scenario. Like... Uh, closer is better. Well, vo- well volunteer, Dan. Come on, you guys come here. Come here. Bring garments with you. Bring garments with you. All right, crowd. Can you come here? This is a crowd situation here. Crowd here. Here we go. Um, two disciples. You've got your scarf. That'll do. Scarf needs to come off in a second. Right. So exciting. <laughs> we all have a bit of drama. <laughs> um, just bear in mind, this is the word of God. <laughs> This is truth we're listening to, but this is—they're going to bring it alive. I'm going to move out of the way. Well, I have to say, it's very female-heavy. Not saying that—not saying the females are heavy. I'd say. Saying... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Volunteers, keen. That's what I like. It's great. Right. So here we go. Just do what the words say. Okay. Um, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, "Jesus sent two of his disciples." Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So uh, we're going to start again. Rachel, put Jesus down. <laughs> Rachel, go and stand by that there. That's it. Okay. Jesus, come and stand with your disciples. There we go. Right. We're going to start again. This is only meant to be half an hour, this message. It's already doubled in length. Right. We'll start again. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the, the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two, two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell them the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, (laughs) he sat on it. He sat on it. Go on, Jonathan, on you go. (laughs) Committed to that one, didn't you? (laughs) Many people spread their cloaks on the road. While others spread branches, we'll just go with cloaks, they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem. You choose where Jerusalem is, donkey. And went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. I think we'll call that the end of the drama. (laughs) Brought to life. Thank you so much. Especially the crowd. You guys were amazing. Toby, Elfie, good work. Now, we're starting a series called The Way of the Cross. And here we see Jesus committing himself to that task. We see Jesus purposely embracing that task. We see Jesus unveiling this messianic secret. And for us today, the same call exists on our life. As we look at this series, we're going to be looking at the way of the cross and the call to us to follow Jesus in that way. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at Jesus... The choices he made, what was going through his mind, what that means for us, and then we're going to look at the crowd and the challenges they bring to us in our worship of Jesus. That's simply what we're going to do. Okay? So let's look at Jesus, first of all. Interestingly, this is the first time that Jesus does not walk somewhere, apart from using a boat. On land, it's the first time he doesn't walk. Everywhere else, he walks. So has he, has he just had enough? Is he just just tired? He's saying, guys, come on. We've walked all the way to Jerusalem. I am, of course, the king of the Jews. I am Jesus. Is there any chance of getting there, you know, in a slightly easier way? Can we get a donkey sorted? Is that primarily what he's thinking about? Is, you know, laziness is kicking in. No, it's not. Of course it's not. Jesus knows his scriptures. Jesus knows what he and the Father have planned. Jesus knows but in Zechariah 9 9, let's go to Zechariah 9 9. It says, This rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus knows that the king, the Messiah, arrives in Jerusalem on a donkey. Jesus knows this. Jesus fulfills, apparently, I have read, three hundred and fifty three Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah, most of which he couldn't have manipulated, like he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Jesus couldn't make that happen in a human sense. Jesus fulfills these. Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Christ, and it is a plan that was hatched before the world began. Ephesians one, one of my favorite chapters in the whole of the Bible. I spend a lot of time there. Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Before the world was created, God chose us to be holy and blameless. That was the plan. This was the plan the Father and Jesus were hatching. They'd have a people for themselves who were holy and righteous. So Jesus knows this is the plan. Jesus knows. He's been teaching the disciples that the way he needs to go is the way of the cross, death awaits him. Punishment for our sin awaits him. Separation from the Father awaits him. But he knows this is the plan. He knows this is the way to go. And he knows that he's going to take a donkey. He's going to take a colt to get to Jerusalem. At this point in time is a crucial point where Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to the cross. It's time. It's time for the secret to come out. It's time for the sacrifice to be made. And so as he says get the donkey, which seems like an innocuous comment, actually is saying, it's time for me to embrace the Father's will. It's time time for me to do all that God has called me to do. And at that point in time, we don't see the pain or the agony of Gethsemane, but no doubt in in his mind, there's still that desire to embrace the Father's will, and no doubt in his mind, he has this salvation plan for you and for me. As he selects, as he asks for a donkey, he's getting. this is for my children. This is for my children. This is for the ones that I want to save. He sends for a donkey because he wants to save us. As he sends off two disciples to fetch that colt, he really he's saying to the Father, I'm ready to do your will. He has our salvation in mind. And we know, we know, we are called to follow Jesus, to follow what Jesus did. We know that. We know that in, in Matthew nine twenty three, Jesus says this, take up your cross and follow me. Every disciple, every believer, every worshiper of Jesus, this is what we're called to do, to take up our cross and follow him, to walk in the footsteps, to go in the way of the cross, if you like. So what does it mean? What does this passage tell us? What does it show us? Well, the fact that Jesus is standing there as a man asking for a donkey. That the Son of God, who before creation began, breathed it into being. That he's standing there, right there, as a human. He's given so much up already. We can look at the cross and say, what a sacrifice. But actually, Philippians 2 tells us that he made himself nothing. Now, you can look at me and think... Well, he's not nothing. But compared to who Jesus is, the human form is nothing. Yes, we're made in the image of God, but for the Almighty, for Jesus, the pre-incarnate one, the wonderful one, the perfect one, the righteous one, to take on human form, to be born of a woman. He made himself nothing. He gave up so much. We are called to make ourselves nothing. We are called to give up much. Now, there's a friend of City Church called Lee Savile. I'm sure most of you will be familiar with him. Lee Saville used to live in Sheffield many, many years ago now, probably over 20 years ago. And he was part of the church that this church came, turned into. So Walkley Baptist Church became City Church. and He was part of Walkley Baptist Church. And uh, he got saved on an Alpha course, I think, And uh, he was a very successful, very wealthy lawyer living indoor in a massive house and enjoying that. He got saved. He went to Romania for uh, for a short time just to help with some street children. And God totally and utterly turned his life upside down. Whilst he was there, God said, I want you in Romania. And so he gave up his job as a lawyer. He gave up the money, gave up the house, gave up the wealth, gave up everything to go and serve those kids. And he's still doing it now. Still doing it now. Serving fervently because he knew what the way of the cross was. It's a way of sacrifice. It's a way of giving up things. Good things. Great things sometimes. But God calls us to give things up. For a more current example, if you like, there's a, I have a friend who... Um, Had a successful career, was trying to get up the ladder, and was very able, very intellectual, uh, great mind, great ability, great with people. But God said to him, I want you to, to give up your job and look after your aging parents. So he did. And this is a guy who could be doing anything, really. He's so talented, he could do anything. But God said to him, no, I want you to look after your parents. And he has given himself in a Christ-like way to serve them. He's given his life. He's given up so much. But he knows it's worth it. But taking up your cross sometimes means picking stuff up. To take up the cross sometimes means grabbing things. So we've got our friends, the Rushworths. We've got the Ears, We've got the Turners who've all been amongst us and enjoyed life in Sheffield as part of this church. But God said, no, I want you to pick something else up. I want you to go to Canada, or I want you to go to China. And they've done that. And we can get excited about it, and we can see the really positive side about it, but actually, that's hard. It's hard when you've got roots, when you're part of a body, when you're enjoying life in shit, that's hard. And they've chosen to do that. They've chosen the way of the cross. We need to embrace sacrifice sometimes. We need to put Jesus and others first. And sometimes this way of the cross, sometimes this sacrifice, sometimes this cost, it it kind of happens to us. James 1 says, consider it pure joy, my friends, when you suffer trials of many kinds. And to suffer something, it's often things that are done to us. Sometimes life is just hard and difficult and tough, and we can't do much about it. But that's, that's the way of the cross. As believers, we're called to the way of the cross, and sometimes those things happen to us, and we need to realize that can be part of God's plan. We look at Jesus and what he went through and think, but it's part of God's plan. It's part of what God brings to us. But sometimes we have to initiate it. Sometimes we have to embrace it, and that is also what Jesus did. By asking for the donkey, he was initiating this process of saying, I'm going to die for the sins of many. He started it. And sometimes we have to start it. And I wonder, I wonder this morning, what is he calling you to pick up? What is he calling you to pick up? What is, what is he calling you to pick up? Is it a new area to serve in church life? Is it having a conversation with that rather strange person at work or school that no one else talks to? What is he asking you to pick up this morning? Or maybe he's asking you to put something down. To leave something. Maybe it's social media. For a time. Couldn't put social media down forever, could we? Maybe we could. Maybe he's calling you to do that. Social media is great. It connects us in lots of different ways. But maybe God's saying, for a season, it's time to put that down. Maybe... He's saying it's time to put a relationship down. A certain friendship. that is, It could be really good, but is unhelpful. Or it could be really bad, and you're just not setting yourself free from that. And God might be saying, put that down. It's the way of the cross. Maybe we need to put down our desire to have a middle-class Western lifestyle that we see plastered all over everywhere. Nice car, nice house, nice holidays. That's not the way of the cross. It's not wrong, but that's not what he calls us to primarily. That's not, in some senses, that's not a good ambition. God might bless you with that, and you embrace it and thank him for it, but I'm not setting my heart on those things. I'm not pursuing them all Lord, give me those things, please. What is he calling us to put down? That's the way of the cross. It's what Jesus chose. It's what he's calling us to do today. And we know that, don't we? We know that. We know those things. I've, I, I've not brought anything new yet, have I? I don't think I have. I'm just going to underline things we know already, okay? Jesus made significant sacrifices for us. That's the way of the cross. He calls us to do the same things. Nothing new. We know we should be like Jesus sounds like I'm coming to land, doesn't it? We're only halfway through, don't worry. There's more to come. We know we should be like Jesus. But I wonder, I would just wonder whether some of us or some parts of us are more like the crowd. What do I mean? Well, what are they doing? At first glance, they come out quite well because they're, they're, they're worshipping Jesus. They're praising him. They're recognising this. This could be the Messiah. Hosanna. In other, in other gospel Gospel says, Hosanna to the son of David. That's a messianic title. It's the title of a messiah. And they're saying, Hosanna, save us, save us. They're even putting down garments. Now, our donkey today didn't damage those garments. But if it actually was a real donkey, those garments probably would have got dirty if not damaged. There was some level of sacrifice they were prepared to make for this messiah they thought was coming through. They come out all right. But, let me suggest, suggest to you, it's worship that only goes so far. It's worship with boundaries. Luke 19. Let's have a look at that, shall we? This is Luke's version of the same events. With some insight into what Jesus was thinking as he looked at Jerusalem, the place was about to arrive. So Luke nineteen forty one says this. As he approached Jerusalem, so this is the, kind of the point where he was riding the donkey, I think, really. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. Other versions put it like this. They missed the day of visitation. They missed the day of visitation. They had some suspicion this was the Messiah. They were prepared to worship a little bit, prepared to lay down their garments and make some small sacrifices, but they missed who he really was. They didn't didn't understand the day of their visitation. He was there to save them from their sins, and I think what they wanted was for him to save them from the Romans and from the taxes. That was more... Along the lines of what they were expecting. They didn't realize. That God. Was walking. Or rather riding. Among them. They didn't realize he's far more wonderful. Far more beautiful. Than they had given him credit for. You see Jesus was perfectly righteous. And perfectly holy. Yet he dwelt amongst them. Holiness became touchable. Holiness became approachable. The Son of God was there in their midst and they were asking for salvation from s- taxes. But Jesus, the Son of God, is right there in the midst of them. They don't know. They don't realize who he is. This is the person who breathed life into the world yet stood among them. Just close your eyes for a second. That's all right. Everyone close your eyes. I want you to imagine the most beautiful thing you've ever seen or the most beautiful thing you could ever imagine. What are people thinking of? Shout it out, I'm just interested. Monkeys. Monkeys are beautiful. A beautiful beach. Oh, we've got a second there from Lucy. Anything else? Sorry? Snowden. Snowden. Yeah, that's beautiful. Rainforest? Rainforest. The sky? Your kids. (laughs) That's lovely. That was Anne Brand saying my kids, just in case Johnny Brand's listening back. (laughs) (laughs) They're beautiful. They're amazing, those things. Including the Brand's kids. You guys are beautiful and amazing. But they are nothing compared to the beauty and the wonder and the awe of who Jesus is. They're nothing. Those are the things that he created. He's so awesome. He's so amazing. In the, in the same um, record of this passage, the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, they shouldn't be saying, I stop them. Stop and saying Hosanna. And Jesus is like, look, you really don't get it, do you? You don't understand how amazing I am. You don't understand how wonderful I am. Because if they, they were quiet, these inanimate rocks with no life in them, they would cry out. The Pharisees didn't see it. I don't think the crowd saw it either. I wonder if we don't see it sometimes. If we walked in here this morning and kept silent and didn't worship Jesus... He's so amazing that inanimate objects would worship him. I'd like to see that. Let's not test it. <laughs> next, next, next Sunday. Next like Sunday. The chairs aren't worshipping Jesus. Jesus says this. Even the rocks would cry out. That's how amazing Jesus is. That's how much he deserves worship. Lifeless things praise him the crowds missed it they missed who was there with them who was amongst them they totally missed it and that is why they will be disappointed we'll come and see this this is me creeping into other people's territory but i'm going to do it anyway they will be disappointed we see it in this text here because the day it's been going really well the day so far you know you've been you've been walking on the roads with jesus singing a few songs he's been healing people Doing some teaching, slightly weird teaching about him dying, but hey, we'll, we'll live with that. And then you're coming up to Jerusalem. You're getting well excited. You're getting giddy. We're we going to get to Jerusalem. It's the Passover. It's going to be awesome. We're going to a feasting and celebration, and we're going to go to the temple. It'll be oh, it's going to be absolutely brilliant. And then, and then, then Jesus—he, this guy who's healing, which sounds kind of Messiah-ish, is now on the donkey. And I've read that that thing in Zechariah talked about the king coming on a donkey. This could be the Messiah. This could be the Messiah. Greg, get your coats. Cut down the branches. Put it into the king. It could be the king. This is oh, amazing. Look, Jesus could be the Messiah. And then he enters Jerusalem and goes to the temple. The guys, they're like, this is it. He's getting his army together. He's gathering a crowd. We're going to take down these Romans and kick some serious butt. It's going down, guys. It's going down. Come on. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with a 12. He went to bed. These disciples are getting really excited. It could be the Messiah. And he goes to bed. Hmm. Maybe he's not the Messiah. It doesn't seem that naughty, but maybe he's not the Messiah. Disappointment. Even more disappointment a week later. When the Messiah, who should be releasing them from the bondage of the Romans, instead dies on a Roman cross. Drastically disappointed because they missed it. And I wonder, this is where I'm just going to... Would you mind if we just pr- pray for a second? Is that alright? Controversial. mid sermon pray. <laughs> we can cope with that, can't we? Yeah. The reason is, I'm, I'm just going to be a little bit pokey. I'm just going to ask some difficult questions. And I want us to be soft hearted before God. I want us to be hearing what He has to say more than what I have to say. Father, please send your spirit now. We want to soften our hearts before you and hear what your word has to say. Lord, we want to be those who have our hackles down and our defenses down. And we want to welcome you and your word. We want to give you access to all areas of our lives. We want you to speak clearly into our deficiencies, our inabilities, our failings, because we know this. You love us anyway. Your grace abounds in our lives. It's not about performance or making the mark. It's about knowing you. And I thank you that nothing we do can affect that, Lord. You will always love us, always pursue us, always bring us into relationship with you. Amen. So then, this is what I wonder. Are we a little bit disappointed with God? Have a think about that for a second. If you're a man, it'll take you a bit longer because you've got to access some emotions, so, you know, give yourself a minute or two rather than three seconds like it would do for a typical female. Disappointment is an emotion, it's a feeling. Are you disappointed with God? Does it seem like God has gone to bed? He's not doing what you expected him to do. When he doesn't do that, that breeds disappointment. Maybe you've read in the Bible, it says, we are more than conquerors in Christ. But you feel like your life is conquering you. It breeds disappointment. It's like having a new phone. When your phone's old and it's, No memory left. You can't get the apps you want. It keeps crashing and you've got no room for all your messages. It's like, oh, I'm I'm desperate for a new phone. And you get that new phone and then you realise it also crashes and the battery life is reduced and it's not quite what I expected. Is it like that with God? Have you come into to to know him, come into salvation, come in to be part of the church, become a worshipper and follower of Jesus and it's just not quite what you expected. It's not what you thought it would be. It's not this constant road of blessing and easiness. It's not that everything you ask for, it happens. I I pray and nothing happens. God doesn't hear me. It breeds disappointment. If, even in a small way, and I would identify with that a little bit as well, even in a small way, that exists, let me just suggest that perhaps like the crowd, we've missed who he really is. Maybe we've missed how wonderful he really is. We read in Luke 19.10 that Jesus' mission was this, to seek and save the lost. And that's when it's about us. He came for us. He came to rescue us. He came to sort us out. He came to, as Rory said, impute Jesus' righteousness to us. So it might become ours that we might stand before the Father and know acceptance. We sang this morning, we can approach the throne room of God with freedom and with confidence. Why? Because we're in Christ, because he's done that for us. He's rescued us. He's saved us. He's done that for us. But it's not all about us. He is the pearl of great price. Worth giving everything up for. Worth giving everything up for. We sing songs like, It's all about you, Jesus. Or, We are here for you. That's not my normal singing voice. If I did sing normally, it would be so spectacular, you'd be distracted from the message. So I'm just doing something a bit more... But actually, I wonder whether we actually sing, You are here for me. You are here for me. (laughs) Obviously, we don't. But I wonder if our hearts, because our perspective is wrong, because we're not understanding how wonderful it is, because we're not understanding that we're called to the way of the cross, I wonder whether we're saying, You are here for me. It's all about me, Benny. Just check your heart for a second what are we really singing? Are we really singing it's all about Jesus? Are we really singing I'm here for you? Our disappointments stem from this wrong perspective. See, my life, my wife, my kids, my car, my house, my money, everything is his. It's not mine. It's his. He's asked me to look after them, to take care of them, to steward them well but therefore his glory, and therefore he can do what he wants with them because they're his. As Becky reminded us, we can trust him. We can trust him. And we need to make sure that our life is about him and what he wants above our desires, which means seeking him and his glory more than our comforts and more than getting answers to prayer. He's more important than the answers to prayer. He's more glorious than any answer to any prayer. He's more wonderful than anything we can ask for, because he's the Almighty. And we need to make sure he is what we really want, not what he can give us. Kids, I've got a secret for you. Kids, secret. Kids, don't tell your parents this. Okay. Well, you can if you want, okay? Getting a good education, going to school and doing well, that's a good idea, but it's not everything, okay? It's not everything. Having nice friends, good friends, that's important. It's quite nice, but it's not everything. Having the latest toy, oh, it's cool when you get the latest toy. <laughs> yeah, the latest DS, woof It's not everything, it's not that great. Tell you something, if you want... To really, really, really be content and happy. Go after Jesus. Even at your young age now, maybe you can just say, yeah, I want Jesus more than anything else. He's amazing. He's amazing. You can tell your parents that if you want. They weren't listening and they switched off. I could tell. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. And most of us here would identify ourselves as being Christians, believers, worshippers of Jesus. And the crowd on the way to Jerusalem, they were worshippers. They were worshipping Jesus. They were saying, Hosanna in the highest. Save us. Messiah, save us. They were laying down garments. They were making small sacrifices, but it won't, only went so far. How far are we prepared to go? How far are we prepared to go? What kind of worshippers are we going to be? How are we going to respond to the call to follow the way of the cross? Half heartedly? Or with everything we've got? All that we have And let's remember the one who made the call, the one who sent the donkey, the one who embraced the cross, the one who literally followed the way of the cross for us. He makes the call. He says, come follow me. The beautiful one, the perfect one, the almighty one, the one who calls praise out from inanimate objects. He says, will you follow the way of the cross? Will you follow me? Can we stand? Is that all right? Do you guys want to come up? Let's, I've got a good idea. Let's focus on Jesus. don't know where our idea came from. Let's focus on him we're going to worship, we're going to ask the Spirit to come. I was praying beforehand, I feel I've got some words of knowledge I want to share, there's some particular areas I think God wants to put his fingers on to provoke us and challenge us, and maybe others will have the same thing as I begin to share that. If you do, just come out. But right now, this is our response to focus on Jesus and worship him.